97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Annie Fry Show is brought to you by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Ladies, I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. Goodness sake, Seth, keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not This is the Annie Fry Show. And Nick, if you can't tell the difference between where Israel is and the U.S. is on a map, I can have my three-year-old son show you the difference. That is irresponsible because it has major consequences because that doesn't leave room for what actually is an attack on America. So I believe I have the strongest pro-Israel position actually on the stage, even though it's a little bit different than the standard GOP talking points. I am so, so over Ramaswamy. I know some of y'all out there like him, and I respect your right to do so. But I, halfway through, I don't even think it took halfway through that debate last night. I was like, okay, I'm done. Moving on. Just not, it's not, it's not what is productive for the moment. Unless, of course, you buy into my theory and philosophy of what is all taking place here. First of all, Trump is plan A and he's the guy. Something will have to happen that Trump participates in actively chooses to participate in for him not to be the nominee because there isn't really a legal there isn't really a legal circumstance where he's going to not be able to win the presidency he's plan a plan b or the jv debate as a lot of people refer to it uh, in a pro-trump-esque kind of way you had last night on the stage left to right christy haley DeSantis, Ramaswamy. And Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are competing for the nomination. I think they both are the, they're competing to win the slot for plan B. When Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are talking about things they've done, they've both been governors. Chris Christie has been a governor too, but nobody, even Chris Christie knows he's not going to win this nomination. He even said that last night. That's not even really why he's on the stage. You've got two people who are successful and beloved governors in their states of South Carolina and Florida. They're fighting to win the spot for Plan B. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis actually competing to try to be the nominee. You've got Ramaswamy on the stage right now looking to take out the two people who could be the most threatening to Donald Trump. And you got Chris Christie looking to take out Ramaswamy because he ultimately wants to take out Donald Trump. That's a win for Chris Christie. And I have said before, Chris, Chris, I live in the state of Illinois. If Chris Christie were the governor of Illinois, it would be one of the best days in, of my life because the way the direction the state of Illinois is going right now under J.B. Pritzker, who also wants to be president, is a disaster. Definitely a, pl- uh, a plan B debate last night and definitely Chris Christie, Ramaswamy, not actually fighting to be the nominee. Let's get to Tyrus and talk to him. 
you're becoming like my most stable relationship. About his, his thoughts on the debate last night, if you watched any of it, but also where this nomination process uh, stands. Tyrus, welcome back to the Andy Fry Show. Good to have you here. Always a pleasure. Did you watch it? Did you take in some News Nation last night? I um, I scrummed through a little bit of it. Yeah. But uh, uh, no, I, I agree with you on a lot of things. I just feel like um, no one is really running for the nominee. It's it's such a it's such a one-sided landslide uh, for President Trump, and he's just they're all competing for what well, at best guess is a cabinet position, which mm. obviously Christie will be disqualified. <laughs> Nikki Haley will be disqualified. DeSantis would just return to being governor. So I think uh, what Ramsey's doing is he's positioning himself for a uh, best worst case scenario is that he could be a strong candidate for VP. Vivek, you think, and, you think that he's working for that? He's an extremely intelligent. They're all intelligent, you know, and, and, this is a diverse group, and I'm glad we're having it. Um, I think, uh, honestly, at some point, President Trump should uh, be in a debate with them and get everyone to fall uh, to to kind of really sew up the party. But um, I agree with you. I think Doug Christie's policy. Uh, Doug, I'm always getting. I, I always wish he was a basketball. Player. <laughs> it's all right. We can talk about him too if you prefer. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm just saying, uh, Chris Christie. I think policy-wise, he's got a lot of great ideas, and uh, he's he's brilliant in the aspect of things. But uh, instead of the the focus on Trump, he needs to be selling his brand. You know, he has the same. It's, it's funny, him and President Trump had the same issue where they're instead of focusing on their deeds, they get caught up in the fight, and that's what gave Biden legs to stand on. Uh, when you know, because I was very critical of. Of, of President Trump's campaign because I felt he was fighting a punch drunk fighter when if he would just remind Americans of the deeds and not give the Democrats what they want is they want to they want to fight with him and they want him to destroy Biden because it looks it's a bad look and and we're seeing you know in the debate last night who you know who won who won um, Vivek probably had the most like gotcha like insults <laughs> but. You know, uh, Nikki Haley, to her credit, was like, I don't even want to speak his name anymore. So, you know, I think, uh, again, this is part of the process. This is why uh, I love diversity when it's done based on merit. Mm -hmm. All four of those uh, are worthy candidates in their own right. Uh, I think if President Trump was not running, I think this would be a much differently looked at uh, debate with a lot more weight on it. So as a Republican, uh, I couldn't ask for better in terms of people putting their best foot forward. The best of us are coming forward. And uh, I don't have to agree with everybody, but at least I'm glad we're having the the, the dialogue and the debate. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. So from that aspect of it, I think they're all winning in the sense that good for them. Like they're, they're chasing their dream to be president of the United States. Why not? Uh, will they will they dethrone President Trump? I, n- not a chance in hell. Right. But but why not? At least we're having that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so I'm all for that. But the, the other thing is they're they're kind of playing into the Democratic playbook or the progressive playbook. President Biden has recently said that he's only running because he's the only one who can stop Trump. 
And he let he hit the dog whistle when he said he cannot win. So that basically means we have to stop him by any means necessary. And we know what that is. There's going to be a lot more um, hoaxes and Russian hoaxes. And, you know, President Trump made the joke, and everyone understood it was a joke, that he was going to be a dictator for one day um, so he can put the wall up and drill, drill, drill. But all we're hearing is he's going to be a dictator. You know, and so now you're going to have the scenario with the only debate we're going to get is in the Republican primary, because now Biden has the he has laid it out to say he will not debate with a criminal. He will not debate with a dictator. Um, he will not. Uh, so that we will not have the, the chance to see Biden uh, Trump showdown because we know how that would go. It would be painful to watch Biden just get destroyed by President Trump. Yeah. Uh, so he's not going to do it. And unfortunately, with the way that the mainstream media and they're playing it, is that if they can cast him as the monster and the dictator, then suddenly they're standing on these high principles, the fight for democracy. And it will be like, you wouldn't debate Hitler. So why would you debate President Trump? I'm calling that now. Right. Um, it's going to be the way they play it. Uh, so, uh, you know, and it's just, are the American people, the independents, uh, are they going to be the, the the Democrats that don't like the progressive agenda, are they going to be able to uh, see through that? Because basically it is vote for me, not vote against Trump. Again, it's a vote against Trump. He's not going to run on anything. He's not going to have any merits. Everything will be Trump. His little, you know, he had Cheney coming out saying the end of democracy. Like they're doing the same crap they did last time. It worked uh, last just, time. It did. If it ain't broke. And again, you can't have him debate. He can't have a press conference. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, I, you know. I think we've seen the playbook before. And as somebody who is – I coach and played sports, I don't like to lose the same way twice. You might lose twice, but not the same way twice. And I hope Trump figures that out. Speaking if with, he offers a better plan, yeah. if, the, if he's running on stuff that's helping the American people, and my guy doesn't get in, I have, hey, I'll tip my hat to you. But we're the state of the country right now, the, the crime rate, the, the attack on, on white America, let's be honest, um, the way that, you know, the, the, the comfortability with anti-Semitism because you're not sure who, what side's going to vote for you more. Mm. Uh, America not taking a stance is probably the most shocking, embarrassing thing because if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. Sure. And not being able to support Israel. At this point, our Amer- we have American hostages that will be the last ones, if never, given back. At this point, why are we not releasing hell on earth on them? Yeah, but instead, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just shocking. It's in my lifetime, I never thought I would see a time when America would be like, would there, would we would have our hands in our pocket, and in terms of standing up to the world, and we're just kowtowing to everyone. We lay out a red carpet for China when they come here. We put their flags in our streets. You know, and we're telling Israel we're going to keep you on a short lease. It should be do what you need to do. As a matter of fact, we're walking with you because I'm telling you right now, if you polled American soldiers and said, do you want to go get those American hostages and those hostages, you would not hear – there would not be one man that didn't – a woman that didn't stand up because that's what America is about. And instead of that, no, no, we're going to negotiate. So we're going to play $5 billion per hostage. You know, it's just – it's – sorry. You got no. a little guilty. I No, I I completely agree with you. And it's something that I've hesitated to talk about. I've talked about it with my staff off the air, but I have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've I've looked at um, the, the political conundrum that the Democrat Party is facing right now. 
trying to satisfy the the Jewish people in their party and the actual anti-Semitic portion of their party. And I have uh, Jewish friends who had told me after this happened, I, I was like, tell me anything you need me to know or direct me to any news stories that I might not be getting in American media. And they've sent me things and they're like, Annie, they're going to turn on us. You don't think it's going to happen that they're going to, but they're going to turn on us. And you can just see, like you said, standing around with your hands in your pockets, jaw j- dropped. Like, what the heck? Do we have zero principles? And when you look at the Democrat Party, they're going to have to make some political decisions where they're going to be willing to stand on principle without some people who are traditionally their voters included in that that principle stand. And it can cost them. And I don't know how they I don't know how they I don't know how they parse this. Well, here's the deal. In my opinion, and again, who am I? But in my opinion, if your identity as a leader is just to get reelected, you're not a leader. Sometimes. That's what we have, to be, though. To be, to be a leader, you have to do the right thing might mean the end of your run in politics. To do the right thing, to truly lead this country, you might have to make some decisions that will cost you re-election, but it was the right thing to do. And history will look back and be like, he did the right thing. Mm. You know, and instead they're going, no, we're just going to, we saw it with Afghanistan. We see it where they will, they will focus all their meetings on uh, attacking women who don't want men in their locker room, that you won't, they're not dragging in. Uh, they're not fighting. They're not showing uh, what how we're going to stand up to anti-Semitism because uh, they have allowed this open season on white Americans and Jews are light skinned enough to be considered white in a lot of aspects of things, even though that uh, Judaism has all shades of colors. But um, they're generally perceived as white uh, by these progressives. So therefore, they have a past to say, you know, when you hear a, a supposedly a, a professor say, you know, question is anti-Semitic statements are allowed in your campus, yes or no, and the answer is it depends on the context. That's all you needed to know. At that point, conversation's over, uh, and we you need to act accordingly. But we're just – and unfortunately, it's not just one university. Our, our administration saying the same thing. It depends on the context, you know, and, uh, and so the, the only – there is no context when it comes to – uh, women being raped and murdered, um, children's heads being cut off. Like there is no context. There, there is no context. Yeah. There, you know, there is no, there is no nice way to say it. There is no uh, depends on the rape. You know, what I mean, like yeah, we can't get used to the, there's, there's can't no get used to hearing it. That's that is Not absolutely just, for sure. I think at, at that point it should be okay. You know what? Maybe there's a time in this country because everything changes. Remember, you know, buggy whips used to be one, a great thing to buy, and then we all got cars. And you didn't need buggy whips anymore. Maybe it's time these uh, these prestigious universities lose their federal funding since they want to promote uh, this anti-Semitism and you know a neo-Nazi in the school increases the conversation, quote unquote. Uh, to where and you know well kids can't get scholarships that yeah maybe it's time they move on maybe it's time uh, Ohio State and Michigan State become the you know <laughs> Louisville becomes <laughs> the new schools of higher learning yeah. and you go away because you cut all their funding because they support anti-Semitism like where is you know Geronimo had that great quote he would say to Indians that would help Native Americans would help the the cavalry where is your heart mm. America where is your heart. When are we going to do the right thing? Even if that means you might lose your cush job, when are we going to start doing the right thing? Yeah. And I think that's what bothers me the most because I have no problem. If I get fired tomorrow for saying what I believe is 
is right, hey, I tip my hat. I did what I did, and I guess my time was up, but I'm not going to come on and say, well, it depends on the context because I want to keep my speaking job. You know, you, I, can, you, I can go. I can go work construction. I'm fine. You've you've made a name for yourself and your book out. Enough said. Right now, uh, you can get it for pre-order right now. December nineteenth is that the official release day? Is that correct? Did I read that? It's right? out. It's out in the stores now. It's, it's getting it's getting bought up. Uh, you can get it now, just in time for Christmas. So you can, uh, you know, and uh, it's uh, doing well. And again, thanks to the people because you don't see a lot of billboards, and I don't have a management team. I do it all <laughs> myself. Word of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? That's the American the way. And I That's right. I wouldn't say any other way. And that means that I can't be me without uh, my, the people who support me and my fan base. And that is the biggest truth teller. Um, I don't have organizations who buy my books to boost the numbers. Only way I get it is if my if my uh, if my base and my fans and people who are curious about what I have to say buy it. And I sleep very well at night with that. Tyrus, you've got a ton of fans here. I am one of them. Thank you always for being with us. Good to talk to you. Yep. I'm still here. I'll see you next week. Sounds great, Tyrus. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Co-host of the Tyrus and Tim podcast. You see him on Gutfeld. He's also a Fox News contributor, and his book is out right now. It's called Nuff Said. Go check it out. Get it, and let me know how you like it. We'll forward those uh, comments along to Tyrus for you. Stick around. Michelle Tafoya joins the Annie Fry Show when we return. She's a former American sportscaster with NBC. She speaks for herself, and she's very good at it. And she's been speaking out about some of the atrocities we're seeing about what has taken place, war crimes, crimes against humanity, using rape as a way to fight in war in Israel. It's, it's horrific. She's speaking out about it. And I'm going to ask her how she feels about some of these women's groups who generally advocate for women who kind of crickets right now. Michelle Tafoya on The Annie Fry Show. We I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Come back. Because right now, rape's being used as a weapon of war around the globe by many terrorist organizations. It has been used by terrorist organizations for hundreds of years. And we cannot stand that women's bodies aren't worth being protected and that their humanity is not important and not worth us fighting for. And so we need clarity. We need moral clarity at this moment from our leaders and from all organizations that purport to represent women. Well, that was Senator Gillibrand this morning talking about, and she's a Democrat, she's talking about how When we identify the fact that rape is being used as an act of terror in our world right now, and we are having to sit and think about what we're going to do and say about that, we got a problem. You want to talk about a political problem. This is a cultural problem. This is a problem of every proportion. And the people who are being quiet on this issue right now, people who are traditionally very, very noisy when the political expediency exists— Senator Gillibrand props you for speaking out on this and bringing a spotlight to it and hopefully continuing to put pressure on people to call this for what it is and stand up for these women who are being used as tools of war in the Middle East right now. 
Very excited to bring our next guest onto the show. Michelle Tafoya joins us for the first time. She is host of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. She's a former American sportscaster with NBC. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It's great to have you here. Uh, I thank you for the invitation. You know, I wanted to, I, I stop and listen when you speak because you give a voice to women uh, that I think a lot of people stop and pause because it's kind of interesting to hear what you have to say. People don't automatically know what you're going to say about this. But I've seen you speaking up about these atrocities that are taking place in the Middle East and kind of asking, like, where is everybody else? Why does this seem so complicated? Uh, that's the question. There, There's nothing complicated about this. And I've seen recently some law professor online saying, well, we can't make, you know, sexual exceptionalism that she actually called it sexual exceptionalism, I believe, as a, you know, making it more of a crime than any other crime. Really? Uh, only women seem to be suffering this suffering rape and general mutilation. And it's, you know, yeah. to our knowledge, this isn't happening to men. And so this immediately suggests that 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 women are weak in this regard and yes they are at a disadvantage when they're facing gang rape for god's sake so how do we just say that well we should investigate no we know this is happening and and i think you're absolutely right it just depends on what is politically expedient for these groups for for example if these were you know when it's a bunch of conservative women who claim sexual harassment you don't hear the typical liberal groups stand up for these women they never stood up for Sarah Palin they never stood up for you know they're not st- sticking up for Nikki Haley they just they stand up for the women they choose to stand up for and in this case for whatever reason Jewish women don't seem to matter to them i mean it's it's disgusting to even say it out loud but we have to we yeah. have to do it because uh, you have to call you have to call it out into the open and, and shine a bright, bright spotlight on it so everyone can see. I know that everyone gets real. You know, we had a debate last night. People get real uh, keyed in on elections and November 2024. And I'm imploring my listeners to understand how much culture work we have to do and that politics is mm. going to react to what the culture does. I feel like what's going on in the Middle East right now, how absolutely horrific it is to see what this kind of war looks like maybe lifting some heads for the first time about where we are culturally, what we are willing to accept to see people in the streets of the United States of America, excusing this behavior. Maybe this will have an impact culturally on how we see things in here in the United States. It's it's interesting. I was talking with someone earlier today about how the only, perhaps the only silver lining of the COVID pandemic was parents waking up to what's going on in their school And perhaps the only silver lining to this conflict in the Middle East is that we are seeing the true colors of many people worldwide and specifically in the United States of America, the freest country on earth. Yes, we embrace free speech, but I'm sorry to all those Ivy League presidents who were on the Hill the other day. This when you are saying, you know, from the river to the sea that you support Hamas, that you're dancing around after these insane medieval um, tragedies were inflicted on these Jewish people. This is a cultural issue, and it it really is shining a spotlight on who who has Western values and who doesn't. And by Western values, all I mean is liberty, free Mm -hmm. speech, um, you know, not committing war crimes. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm, I'm talking about the values of People being treated 
civilly. And that's not what happened on October 7th in Israel. And for anyone to celebrate that, you know, it, it, it makes you sick. But at the same time, it reveals the character of many of these people, organizations, universities, and what they're willing to do. And I'm very happy to see large donors, even small donors, but large donors say enough of this. Yeah, I, I, I am, I'm with you that 100 percent. And I think that the exposure of, of how how hate rooted some of the the activists that are really transplant activists from riots that took place in 2020 the the yeah. BLM stuff they they just this is what they do they go from place to place and they have a new new cause i'm i'm praying that the translation will be for normal thinking people i can't associate myself with with this behavior do you, it, do you, you see hope. people do you see people reacting that way have you talked to anybody who's been like gosh this is a bridge too far for me well, yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, the average person, the average American who, you know, <laughs> believes in hard work and getting up in the morning with a purpose and, and educating their kids and, and uh, you know, just and, and right and the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, light and dark. They see darkness and it's it's freaking them out, I think. And yes, it is a bridge too far. The, the I think what's so terrifying and and this happened during BLM as well but I think this may be starting to change a little bit during B you didn't want to get involved people would say silence is violence you know that you couldn't even just mind your own business that's not really happening here um you know during BLM if it, it, god forbid you said anything slightly wrong you were called names right and but but even still early on in this since October 7th in these last couple of months you had the press secretary of the United States of America, the, the president's press secretary, stand up and say that Islamophobia was the big problem here. And it, I don't think it was a slip of the tongue. I think that, the, again, there's this we're going to go for the model of oppressed versus oppressor. And we have decided that Israel is the oppressor and that Palestine is the oppressed. I agree that Palestinians are oppressed, but they're oppressed by Hamas. And and the the people they elected to rule their their region, um, so I, I don't equate Palestine and Hamas, but I do think uh, it's 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 very very sad what is happening there. And you see some of these these videos of young kids from the time they're in kindergarten being trained to hate, being trained to fight, and so. Um, it, you know that's that's not happening in Israel, right? Uh, it's happening in, in in Gaza. Yeah, it's you're exactly right. You have to first identify the problem to find the solution, and the 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 problem is always Hamas. We're speaking with yeah. Michelle Tafoya. She is a host of the Michelle Tafoya podcast, and she's a former American sports uh, caster with NBC. I just want to shift real quick before we have to let you go because I think that when we were talking just a little bit earlier about the the malaise behind calling out the rape of these Jewish women by Hamas, how we're not um, so very upfront with how horrific that is. You know, this is something like you said, it's happening to women. And mm -hmm. the idea that it's happening to women has to mean something there. That means you know, what is a woman? That's a question right. that continues to come up. And, and I, it, it almost makes me wonder on a broad, broad sense, culturally, if our unwillingness to commit to some very basic truths in the way we speak about things <laughs> makes it yeah. harder to say that 
is bad. Women and yeah. children. They want women and children to be ho- freed from the hostages. Well, what are women and children? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I exactly. I get that precisely. And and I have thought about that as well. Great minds think alike. Um, <laughs> no, that just that that here we are at a time when we're debating what a woman is, and yet the the women and the young women are the only victims of these heinous gang rapes and uh, unspeakable, unspeakable stuff. And for someone to suggest that, oh, you're just you're just highlighting that so we can extend this ground war. Well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think we should highlight all war crimes. And this is one of them. Amen. And to suggest that it's it's it should be marginalized somehow. But I, I just can't get over it. And now I, I'm wondering, too, all of these, quote unquote, women's groups, the Women's March, the National Organization for Women, these groups that say they are there to support and defend women's rights, and the fact that they haven't denounced anything, said anything, and now I'm wondering if they're afraid to because it will look like they are caving in to the majority, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to have to apologize for being late to this, so they're just staying quiet. Um, That would be one thing if you are – a corporation, a Coca-Cola or Jack in the Box or McDonald's because you've got a, a, a business. To, but you are a group that has been established for the defense and support of women and women's rights. And here we have this just disgusting uh, um, event happening over there uh, and all of this happening to women, women being subjected to this nitty just I, there are no words. You can see I'm at a loss for words to yeah. describe this stuff. That's what you're there for. You're not there to do anything else but to support women and protect them. And you're not saying anything about this? I, I don't know. We we have a really serious problem in this country. And, you know, you expect to see it in other parts of the world, but you don't expect it to see it here in the United States of America. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Without double standards, they'd have no standards at all. And at least it's Amen. being exposed right now. Michelle Tafoya, I am such a fan of yours, and I am so grateful that you came on with us. I hope you'll come back again and speak with us some more sometime. I'd love to. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you very much. She is a host of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. You see her on Fox News from time to time as well. And uh, she was formerly a sportscaster with NBC. She's kind of made some waves in being a free thinker and a free speaker and grateful that she allowed us the time into her afternoon to discuss this issue with her. Incredibly important issue. MichelleTafoya.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get Ryan Wiggins back in studio here in just a minute. Let's talk about the YouTube live chat poll when we come back. Who is your pick for Donald Trump's vice president? Is it Ben Carson, Tucker Carlson, Carrie Lake, or someone else? We're seeing a lot of people who are commenting on here. If you say someone else, we certainly want to know who the other person is that you think it might be. Kenton says Christy Nome should be Trump's VP. I think she would be 110% loyal to the president and to the country. Um, James says Byron Donalds for VP. I think that's a great choice as well. Uh, Scooter said I think Sarah Huckabee has the inside track for Trump VP. Sarah Huckabee is fantastic. I wouldn't have any problems with that. And Josh says I voted other. Put me on the record for Nikki Haley as VP. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is the problem. Using identity politics more effectively than Kamala Harris is a form of intellectual fraud. And it actually needs to end. There's our donor puppet masters wielding their puppet right up here tonight. 
This is how this game is played. The puppet masters put up their puppet, and I reject the use of identity politics in this party. It has been a cancer coming from the left, and I'm sick and tired of the double standards the people of this country are too. Having two X chromosomes does not immunize okay, you from thank criticism. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Governor Haley, would you like to respond? No. It's not worth my time to respond to him. Smart move on her part to just take a pass on that one. I like how uh, Vivek Ramaswamy got the two X chromosomes mentioned in the GOP debate, but didn't have anything to do with, like, defining what a woman is. <laughs> that took talent. He also mentioned the swivel chair last night as an invention of Thomas Jefferson. And I was like, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I, I didn't. And now I do. And that is what I learned from Vivek Ramaswamy. Last night, the YouTube live chat poll on the Annie Fry YouTube channel. Come join us there. Say hi in the comments and uh, vote. Who is your pick for Donald Trump's vice president? Uh, ben Carson and Tucker Carlson. I have seen multiple articles recently suggesting that that's the guy, that that's the pick. I don't believe any of, I don't know anything about anything, but those are the ones I've seen most recently. People have talked about Carrie Lake. That one makes me want to do backflips off of a bridge. <laughs> You couldn't just walk off the bridge. No. You had to go out in style. I want everybody to know how bad of an idea this is. Um, and then someone else. And I, I, Christy Nome keeps coming up in the in the comments here, which I think is a smart one, and I probably wish I would have put her on that list. Um, Katie says, Christy Nome would be a better choice than Carson, who's too old, and Lake, she's running for Senate. Carlson is my second choice, uh, but I don't know if he can gain votes for Trump like Nome can. Who do you think? I thought Nikki Haley was going to be the front runner until she became a contender for she's president. She's not a contender. Well, <laughs> she's in not Trump's eyes. A contender. In Trump's eyes. Ron DeSantis, no, but he's a bulldozer. Yeah, yeah but until she was in his crosshairs, I thought he might pick her. He's, then he started attacking her. He's not attacking her. Well, he's calling her bird brain and stuff like that. He's yeah, and he called Lion Ted Cruz, Lion Ted and Little Marco and he got along with all of them. Yeah, well, eventually, because he had to work with those guys in the Senate. I don't know that he'll have to work with Haley. If he, anyway, picks, if, if he picks her. Well, that's so what I mean. I don't think he has to do anything with her because he doesn't have to pick her. And I don't think he will now. I thought that she, he would have at some point. To answer your question, though, with the poll, I would lean towards someone else. But I don't know who that someone else is anymore. So I'm going to say Ben Carson. I would pick him out of that list. I like him. I love Ben Carson, but Ben Carson makes people angry in a weird way because he might be the nicest person on the planet. Yeah. Super smart, super principled, wildly successful and smart. And the the Ben Carson hate, he kind of slow walks, he kind of slow rolls into things. And it at first, if you don't know him, you kind of feel like, y'all, what? Everything good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You good? <laughs> and then he starts talking, and you're like, I am dumb. <laughs> you yeah. are so smart. You and and he's kind. He's been he's been on this car on this show a couple times before, too. But I I don't know that he I don't know. I don't know that he does anything for the ticket. The the reason that I I would agree with you in in pretty much that entire assessment is because he I don't know how tested he is. Is he a person who could step? Now, he's been at the national level. I'm not saying that. But can he step into the lion's den in the way a lot of these guys have to now 
and do an interview that is highly combative and come away looking like the winner. I, I think he can do the interview like an ace. I hope so. That, that would be his strong suit. Really? Because I thought, because of the reasons you just listed, that he kind of slow rolls everything out, he seems so calm, that somebody could do a bunch of gotchas on him and really take have him you down. Have seen him in an interview? I have, and he's, he, he, kind of, he kind of just kind of takes it, like Rocky. Instead of like the punch back guy, he's the guy who can take a lot. That's just not my assessment of it, but I could see you have a different perspective. What do you think? I mean, I, I I don't think it's anybody on that list, and I don't even know if I've got a name that I could say. I think it's somebody else, but I think it's just somebody we haven't even thought of or, or seen before. Is that problematic? <laughs> it could be really cool. You just never know, because if it's somebody that is not vetted on the national stage, Tim it Scott's could be a much better pick than Ben Carson, in my opinion. Yeah, Tim Scott would be good. He's so, so positive and warm and kind, like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be a good compliment. Yeah. Actually, when you say that, I kind of agree with that. Tim Scott would be a really good pick for that purpose. And he has to an uh, to a degree. And again, I, I'm saying this about Ben Carson, and I, somebody could really easily prove me wrong and say, no, he has been tested on the national stage. I just I don't remember seeing him be the he was the secretary of housing off. and urban development. Yeah, Ryan. I, I get it, but I don't see him being the guy who steps off the helicopter and is like, let's go. And that's kind of no you, you. That's no vice president. Well, you have to be able to at least do the fight you don't have to be the main guy you don't have to be the guy who gets the spotlight i don't know if i agree with that i, I think either. i think that the vice presidential candidate is going to be like annie said or implied it's going to be somebody that's kind of the counterbalance the inverse of trump it's going to be somebody who doesn't need the spotlight Man. it's going to be somebody that's not boisterous and loud and stuff like that and it's also going to be somebody that can work in the shadow of trump and get things done tip scott might be the exact opposite of donald trump in every way, <laughs> other than the probably the way you vote. Yeah. I think I think you stumbled onto something it. here. Yeah, make it so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i going to say, I'm going to change my vote to somebody else, Tim, Tim Scott. Scott. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I like that pick. Hunter says someone like Mike Pence. I mean, that was what Mike Pence was on that ticket. He was somebody, first and foremost, who understood how Congress worked and Donald Trump did not. He didn't understand how anything in D.C. worked, because how could you if you weren't part of the swamp? That was part of his appeal. Mike Pence did understand it, and Mike Pence was helpful in that way. And he was also a, a, a bona fide conservative for people who weren't so sure about what Trump might be. Well, we know what Trump is right now. I, I would like to see Tim Scott and Donald Trump argue about something. At the end, they just hug. <laughs> That's assuming Tim Scott wins. Come to the Any Fry YouTube channel and vote for your thoughts. I think we come on, we've gotten on to something here. We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.